With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession. Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Happy Tuesday, everybody. We've got a really cool podcast coming up. We've got a great interview happening in just a few minutes. Yeah, But I'm hoping you had a weekend half as good as ours was. <laughs> we had fantastic summer weather here in Park City. It was longest day of the year and is still, I mean, light till almost 10 o'clock at night right now, which is fantastic. I love it. My wife hates it, but that's just life. This weekend, my parents were in town, which is always a mixed bag. Let's be honest. It's always a mixed bag. But joke I've always made is, you know, about 48 hours in, you go, this is why I don't live at home anymore. That's just – You just leave it there. That's just – there it is. Yep. So yep. – but but since it was Father's Day, I had my dad, me, and my son. And I thought I would love to take a drive. But I have no three-seat sports cars because I don't own a McLaren F1. So <laughs> right. I would like to take them all, which means I need to bring other drivers, okay, because my son is not quite to driving age yet. <laughs> Not quite. You know, he, he'd love Sheesh. to do it. He asked me yesterday while we were on the drive. He's like, can I drive? I was like, sure, buddy. So what we did is we took all of us, meaning my mom and my wife, and you, Paul, joined us. Thank yes, you. Yes, yes. So you took the Cayman. Yeah. We brought yeah. the crazy yellow Lexus LC500H that we have on loan mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. my Lotus and six of us. And we went down one of our very favorite roads and yeah. we kept stopping regularly and switching. Switching passengers, switching drivers. Everybody except for my son did everything. <laughs> And it was crazy fun. And my dad, who is a extremely conservative driver, actually had some fast driving fun. I kept telling him when we got back, he was just going, that was the best day ever. That was the best Father's Day ever. And I said, (laughs) speed cleanses, doesn't Mm -hmm. it? Speed just helps. Mm -hmm. Just reset all your outlook on life. Just you need a little speed in your life. He he was laughing because he was. I think at first he didn't believe me. And then, you know, after we hit speeds, so we hit speeds. speeds. Yes. Then he. You know, everything else is forgotten. Yeah, All conversation right. stops. Well, it was very funny <laughs> also great. because he got to ride with you driving. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he got to ride and drive, and he got to, he got to drive the Lotus. I've been trying to get this man to drive the Lotus for years. I was going to say, I'm so glad yes. he actually did totally. it. And he he's in his 70s, so getting in and out of the Lotus, I actually have to physically help him. But once he got in, he quickly discovered his shoes were too big. <laughs> He he kept hitting multiple pedals. <laughs> that's right. So he right. struggled through driving it the first time. Then he rode with me driving it, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. was a little bit different. Then he drove it the next time, and he took his shoes off. Which, and I put his shoes in the trunk, and he <laughs> had seen – no, Exactly. That <laughs> pretty much filled the trunk. Let's be honest. Again, big shoes. So then he actually drove it with some speed, like some dedication. I was quite impressed, and he had fun, and that's really all I could hope for from Father's Day, honestly. What you didn't hear was he was sitting in my Cayman with me, yeah, and you yeah. had offered up the Lotus, and mm-hmm. he was just sort of – girding himself because he knew he was going to go drive the Lotus. And he had just ridden with me, and so he was yeah. discarding handfuls of, of upholstery. Yes, and he was. Thinking, all right, what, what's next for me? Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I said, today is the day. And right now <laughs> is the time in your life before driving an Elise. I said, this is that time. <laughs> in a few minutes, there will be the time after you've driven an Elise. I love it. And he was just sort of looking at me like, what? It's a car. I'm like, no, it's a different experience. So you you go drive. And, Thank you. And uh, then he came back and he was just going, well, that was different. Yeah. Like, yes, it was. I yeah. mean, the Cayman is an excellent fast car. Absolutely, yeah. But no the question. Lotus is tiny. It's like three quarters the size of the Cayman. I don't know if you thought about this. Not only that, but here's the crazy thing. And he did enjoy it. And thank you for pushing on him because he needed that little extra push. I just push. I wanted I, I'm glad you to did. hear it not from you. Yes, I agree. Thank you. I'm glad that you did. The other thing that's funny that we started thinking about as we were doing this drive, the Lexus LC500 mm. weighs more than twice as much as the Elise. Yeah. It is a it's 40, the hybrid. It's a 500H, it so it's it got the batteries. It is a 4,500-pound car, and the yeah. Elise weighs just under 2,000 without a driver. So it is more than twice as heavy. That just boggled my mind to come to the realization while we were driving. It was it was a great day, though. Well, what's cool is we will soon have the convertible mm-hmm. LC500, which is yes. brand new yes. for Toyota and Lexus to release in 2020. And so they're sending it along for a very brief three-day loan, and we'll have both cars together on a fast blast. So watch yeah. for that coming your way. That's going to be very and, cool. And uh, we'll have both the hybrid and the convertible. By the way, there is no hybrid convertible because when you put the top down on the convertible, that's the space where the batteries mm-hmm. would be. Mm-hmm. So they will never build... They, the car 
car would have to be re-engineered, apparently. Mm-hmm. So Interesting. Anyway, so we're doing both those cars. And by the way, happy Tuesday. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. We do have, as Todd said, a very special guest. It is Peter Zawadzki, who is the director of Smart Mobility at Haggerty. And he is spearheading the effort to build out DriveShare. You've heard mm-hmm. us talk a little mm-hmm. bit about DriveShare, but he's going to hopefully go into more depth and really explain what is it all about and how it's growing and you know what is DriveShare to all of us. So we're giving him a call right now. Hello, this is Peter speaking. Peter, you got Paul and Todd. How are you? How are you? We're doing well. We're doing well. Thanks for being with us. I'm happy to talk cars all day long. Good, good. Well, as are we. I mean, that's really all we do. So we're, we're looking forward to it. Well, Peter, we hosted Brian McGarvey a few episodes ago. It's been, what, almost a month now, I think. So. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we touched on various aspects of DriveShare. We mentioned DriveShare is right in line with what Todd and I call drive homework all the time. And mm-hmm. I might be going off the deep end a little bit lately, kind of blowing people's budgets out a, t- a tiny you're bit. Just, you're just out having people shop wherever. You're like, I understand you have 20 grand, but have you seen this $80,000 car? Somebody you're doing just that tweeted a lot. Yeah. It's turned into a mudslide. Yeah. My, has, my yeah. little, you know, mountain making a mountain out of a mountain. I'm having, I'm here by myself <laughs> holding the line on people's budgets. You're like, you know what's great, which is fun, but well, it Peter, leads to drive homework though, which is good. So I, I have this problem of maybe blowing people's budgets out, but then they come back and said, well, hey, I got a raise and I spent more money on this car. But ultimately, what we're recommending for them to do is drive homework to arrive at their decision. But I like that DriveShare is right in line with this mm-hmm. as a shopping tool to get the audience experiencing different cars when they're shopping. So we want to know, how do you explain DriveShare to people when they say, hey, you're a car guy, talk to me? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. The best way to explain it is it's Airbnb for cars you really want to drive, uh, plain and simple, right? Okay. You get behind the wheel of a car, and let's say you've always wanted, you know, it's a car you've always lusted after, you've always wanted to experience it. It's a great opportunity to try, try it out. Uh, or it's maybe a car you're really thinking of buying. So before you go out and commit to spending 20, 40, 80 grand mm-hmm. on a car, maybe you find one that's similar, uh, take it, rent it for a weekend and see if it's something you really like. I mean, it's everything that you can imagine. Uh, we've been doing lots of rentals in the last couple of weeks for, um, parades for graduation parades, right? Oh, People really want to rent something really cool for a graduate uh, graduation parade these days. And okay. they've been renting cool cars. That's so, fun. So this is, I mean, cool. they're available nationwide, right? Correct. We are available in every single state except for New York. Okay. Well, there's not a lot of driving in Manhattan, so it may be, it may be pulled off. <laughs> Unless I get the it. Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and like, we're blowing it out for this Thanksgiving. Well, People are renting but, cars, you know, if it's, if it's us, let's take down all the floats. Let's just drive a bunch of nice cars through. We'd prefer that I anyway. Agree. But take yeah, the floats anyway, down. Let's concentrate on the cars. All relative. I've, so, got, I've got no problem with that. I think that'd be a nice marketing opportunity. <laughs> I so, mean, surely there's fire trucks on here for July 4th. I mean, come trucks. on. Where's there's the, ice cream trucks on there. Right. Uh, there is everything on there. <laughs> you've got Seriously, you've got an ice cream truck on there? Because yep, that's fantastic. There is legit. Oh, a vintage like 1950s ice cream sure truck. sure i love that i love that why not i had a friend who a few years ago he he has a bunch of kids and and he and his oh, wife have a tendency to do crazy things and a few years ago that's right he called me up and said you're never gonna believe it and i was like what he's really excited and i said what happened he said we bought an ice cream truck and i how I am, long was i am silence? not no i just the thing you, you know me paul because i am not known for my silence that so there was a long Silence. This is a dear friend. And I was just like, going on. I have to back this somehow. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, of course, my next question was, why? why? Tell me. Yeah, but anyway, that didn't last long. So, here's my big question because we, we chase down cars all the time for our big feature films. We've done uh, 911s and BMWs and Corvettes where we're getting a car from every generation of that marquee. Okay? So, my big question is, we spend a lot of time trying to convince owners to let us have a car to drive Indeed, for a film that, that for two you days. You are driving. Okay, that right. we're driving. How on earth do you convince an owner with a really nice car to be a part of DriveShare? What are the upsides and what do you guys do for that? So that's the thing is, you know, this isn't for everybody, right? It's, it's not meant for every single person that owns, you know, uh, a collector car or an enthusiast vehicle to, you know, rent out and make money on it. I don't intend everybody to be able to rent their car, but there are people that will, you know, people that have maybe a collection of cars or they have two, three cars and, you know, one of them is not getting used that often and, and they can see value in it. They'll do that. We also give people a lot of security around the transaction, right? First of all, 
you can choose how you want your car rented, right? Do you want somebody actually driving it? Or are you willing to rent it out for just events and photos? Mm -hmm. Or do you want to do a chauffeured rental? Uh, then how much do you want to rent it out for? You know, we're not going to tell you, hey, rent your car out for $100 a day. Mm. It might not be worth it to you. You choose how much you want to rent it out for. And then at the end of the day, because this is a Haggerty product, the transactions are secured, right? Mm, there is sure. there is insurance on the vehicle. There is liability insurance. We do driving screenings on the people that are renting the cars. Oh, okay. um, and I'm happy to say we have had nothing but you know five star reviews on the platform and anytime let's say there has been a ding or a dent or anything else we've taken care of it right mm -hmm. our top priority is to the vehicle owner uh and making sure that their vehicle is exactly how it's supposed to be i rent out my cars right okay. i i'm oh, the do? one that kind of oh absolutely really? i'm the one that launched this idea i actually have a great story and it's i have an 84 911 okay and I bought it and I hot rodded it. I did. I took out the AC. I completely modified it. It is my baby. It's an extension of me. So is this like an and outlaw kind of thinking? It is. For, okay. It is a right. full cool. outlaw. Okay. All right. Nine eleven. Right. Love it. Love it. And I list it. I rent it out because ultimately I don't have enough time to drive it. The mm -hmm. car needs to be driven. Yes. The worst thing you can do is just have a car sitting in your garage collecting dust. That's Agreed. not what they're meant to do. Agreed. I'm so glad you said that because we say that all the time. And sometimes we persuade our listeners to give themselves permission to go drive their fun car. Absolutely. Something you have to actually happens. Yeah. And so I ended up getting contacted by a gentleman. So I live out in Massachusetts. I got contacted by a gentleman in Pennsylvania okay. who wanted to rent my car out for a weekend uh, for his wife. Uh, okay. because she drove an old 911 when she was younger and he wanted to do this as a present for her. Okay. I love it. Okay. <laughs> so they came up for the weekend. Um, they rented an Airbnb out here. They came, they picked up my 911. I took them out for a test drive in it. I made sure that she was familiar with driving the car and everything else. <laughs> and I'm talking smile from ear to ear. Love it. Love it. And cool. all weekend long, the husband kept on texting me and he was like, she won't even let me drive the car. This isn't <laughs> fair. I thought I would get to drive the car. Um, and when they got back, first of all, the car was actually cleaner than when I gave them the car. They actually went to a car wash and vacuumed the inside oh and gosh, like cleaned it all up. Then less than a week later, I get a phone call from the gentleman. He's like, hey, Peter, um, are you interested in selling your car? No way. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm not. I'm sorry. I love my car. But, hey, by the way, I'll help you find one if you want. So Very I ended cool. up helping them find a 911. Um, they ended up buying that 911. They ended up, uh, you know, insuring their car with Haggerty. They became Drivers Club members for all the Drivers Club benefits. Very cool. Um, they joined Porsche Club of America. And this was <laughs> their first ever classic car that they've owned, right? This was their first experience with renting a classic car. And they loved it so much. They went from idea to rent to ownership in a matter of like 30 days. Wow. That's I love fantastic. it. And that's great. I love it. That's great. I'm looking I mean, at the driveshare site. For, yeah. Driveshare.com, yeah. and I'm looking to see if there's counseling services in here, like <laughs> psychology. I don't see this, it listed. It's just this you, is Peter. honestly this is honestly my my way of getting uh, my wife to allow me to keep on buying classic cars because it's like, listen, I'm gonna rent them out. Uh, I'll make money on them. I like it. It's, it's my little uh, backdoor approach for getting more cars that. in the garage. Now I'm seeing the justification. See? Yeah, here. for sure. Well, okay. okay. All right. Well, so let's go through the list. What do you have that you also rent? Do you have the 911, but what else? Well, what do you have? But what do you have that you don't rent? What do you <laughs> Fair point. I rent yes. everything. I have a 1958 MGA, mm. which is extremely popular for rentals. Mm. Uh, it's really? at a good price point. I rent it out for about $200 a day. And my dream rentals on that car is... Somebody rents it out for a wedding. That thing mostly gets rented out for weddings. Hmm. I make $200 a day and it gets driven six miles. Sure. To a photo shoot sure. and from the wedding to the reception. And then I go pick up the car. Okay. Do you have to, you yeah, have to yeah. specify no empty soup cans, no shaving cream, no bunting, <laughs> yeah, no soap on the windows? Come on. <laughs> so I have actually some really cool photos of a bride and a groom with the soap cans behind it and stuff like that. That's funny. Just married sign. Fantastic. Um, All right. So what I else? Also I have a 1991 
Fiat 126P. Hmm. And you oh. get bonus points if you know what the heck that is. Uh, we're looking it up as we yes. speak because I don't right off the top of my head, but that's interesting. Okay. Oh, it, is this a micro subcompact? It is a communist era Fiat made in Poland. <laughs> it has Hot. 24 horsepower and my phone has uh, more horsepower. 600 cc's. Everyone has one of these. <laughs> a communist car made in Poland. Perfect. That, How that did seems you exactly come to right. acquire yeah. this thing? Oh my gosh. I grew up in, I, I mean, I was born here in the U.S., but I spent a lot of time in Poland when I was little, and I have such fond memories of these cars. That's hysterical. Uh, everybody, they built four million of these things, so oh everybody gosh. had one. It was okay. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, it's like, here's your loaf of bread and here's your car. Sure. And I had such fond memories. When I saw one come up for sale, there was legit no price limit uh, for this car, and I think I may have purchased the most expensive one ever. So, wait, um, was this a bring-a-trailer purchase? Unfortunately, it was. <laughs> of course it was. I knew, I knew it. Like, when you said it one came up and you couldn't believe it, you were like, whatever the price. I was like, I nice. know where this is going. This is bring-a-trailer for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> nice. Up until just yesterday, had a 1984 Ferrari 308. Oh, oh did you sell that on bring-a-trailer? I did. <laughs> Good for you. Was that the really nice red one I saw last 24 hours or so going? That would be the one. No Very way. nice. I like it. I looked oh at that car. It looked gosh. gorgeous. That's fascinating. So you rented all of those. Or, I mean, I say yep. rented because the Ferrari isn't yours anymore, but you rented them all. That's really cool. Yep. It's Again, it's a great way to share the passion for cars. I can drive them all. Here's the other thing. What's really important about the way DriveShare works, and you really don't understand it until you actually do it, is this isn't like me going to a rental car counter and renting a car, right? Mm-hmm. There, okay. you are you are meeting me as an individual, right? You and I are going to go for a test drive, so that way I can mm-hmm. feel okay. comfortable with you driving my car. Okay. There's that human connection, right? And that human connection is really important because at the end of the day, you know you need to see me when you're going to return the car. It's not like, yeah. oh, well, I'm just going to drop it off at a parking lot, leave my keys, in a Dropbox, and I never have to deal with this again. In everything that we've seen and all the information that we've kind of collected is the people that rent the cars actually drive them slower <laughs> and more cautiously than the actual owners of the vehicle. Probably. Well, because they know Probably. they'll get dinged yeah, if yeah. they ding it, you know, yeah. but yeah, still. It's, these aren't high-mileage rentals. I, I'm not renting a car and driving to Canada and back, right? Sure. It's mostly yeah, yeah. the car is getting rented. We set, We allow the owner to also set the amount of miles they allow a day and then mm-hmm, what's sure. the overdrive for miles the average rental is 50 miles you know so it's not somebody's not going to take your car and put a thousand miles on it yeah 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 sure that's amazing so but this is i like that it's more sounds more personal than if you were to rent it is through, extremely personal through even not even just a rental counter yeah. but even turo turo has gotten a little Correct. bit like i never see you so mm-hmm. this is much more and plus it's enthusiast based it feels like so you're having an enthusiast to enthusiast conversation which i like yeah correct and that's the other thing is you're not renting it to just anybody right somebody isn't going to come on to drive share for example and you know do a search and be like oh well Instead of me renting a minivan for the weekend, why don't I rent this Porsche? Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Somebody that's there to rent a car is actually renting and looking for an enthusiast vehicle. So they're Mm -hmm, a fellow enthusiast. mm -hmm. So there's a certain level of respect uh, and camaraderie with, with, you know, people within the hobby uh, and the cars are respected that's what's missing, As honestly, they Peter. Be. That that element is yeah. what's missing from every other rental way of renting cars is that the, respect level. The terrible thing Correct. that's happening here, Peter, honestly, while we talk to you, is I'm realizing I can justify in my own head cars I've thought I should probably buy and haven't uh-huh. because they'll uh, sit. And now I'm going, see? wait, oh, wait, I could go home and have a terribly awkward conversation with my wife about, you know what we should get, and here's why. Yeah. Well, see, now if you don't enter any maker model and you just push search on driveshare.com, <laughs> then it gives you everything. And now I'm going, oh, well, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. It gets dangerous. Oh, yeah. There's some good stuff on here, and it seems like it's growing, too. Yeah, it is growing. Uh, We're adding vehicles, you know, every single day. Uh, We're adding new members every single day. And obviously, the more and more vehicles we add, the faster we grow and scale, which is really nice. But, you know, the vehicles that really do the most are exactly what you would think, right? Vintage Mustangs, vintage Camaros, that kind Mm, of 60 eras car, you know, 
Uh, and really the price point, the ideal price point that is right around that two to $300 range per day. Mm. You know, my MG, like I said, rents out for about 200. Uh, we have a lot of other MGs in that type of vehicle that rent out in that range. I paid 9,000 for my MGA when I purchased it several years back. To date, I've made $8,000 renting it out. Um, <laughs> Fantastic. So, that is great justification. You know, honey. I think, I, I, think I'm, I think I'm on the right side of that transaction. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Oh, there's a 1986 so, 928 the, on here. But this is only going to get worse oh. for you, Paul. We shouldn't be looking currently. That's, that's all bad. Oh, so is your, is your 911 your favorite car, Peter? It is my favorite car. And it's my favorite car because I made it mine. If that okay. makes sense, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, yeah. I've got my Ferrari three away, and I love that car, and and it's what started me really down this journey of drive share and and this kind of Airbnb for collector car model. But you can't really modify that car, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. The nine eleven, I was able to modify and make my own, so I feel like it's an extension of me. It is my baby, and I am not ever going to sell that car. <laughs> I can see that until okay, the so. price until the price is right. <laughs> of yeah. course. Well, we're Everybody all that person too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, you said make it yours. What element or elements about cars do you appreciate the most? What yeah. drives you? Is it styling? Is it the way it drives? Is it vintage? It's a hard question. I it know. is a really hard question. You know, the one, it's, this is going to sound really weird. The one that is kind of that first one is, and I think you have to be a real car guy to get it, is the smell right? Sure. It's, yeah. It's yeah. the smell. Like if you sit in a vintage Ferrari, there's that, that smell of that leather, right? Mm-hmm. Old Ferraris have the same exact smell. Like you can close your eyes and you can sit in four or five different cars. Like if you sit in an old 911, there's a certain smell to an old 911, mm-hmm. right? There's a certain smell <laughs> to an old uh, Ferrari. And it, I think that's kind of the first thing that like when I sit in one of my cars and especially after the doors have been closed for a while and the windows have been up for a while, you get in yeah. there, you're like, you take a deep breath and you're, it's just like this calming sense of like, all right, yeah. now like I'm in it, I can go for a drive. And then from there, it's just that visceral experience of mm. the drive. Mm, I love right? that. I'm connected to the road. I'm unplugged from everything else and I can just enjoy the car, right? Yeah. I'm not, yeah. I don't have my phone in one hand and I'm like texting when I'm not supposed to be texting and sure. I'm not distracted with all this other stuff. Because I have to be tuned into the car, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like my wife's brand new Volvo where I can hit the autopilot button and you know be yeah. hands free for a while. Right. But right. hands free on the nine eleven, things are going drastically wrong. Bad things will happen for sure. For sure. Bad things will happen really quick. Well, so I, I'm actually curious, and I'll, I'll tell you the story to kind of set what, I, what I'm saying. But I'm curious if there's a, a reason or a history for that smell connection with you, because I know for me, my dad had a Jaguar E Type. Before I could mm-hmm. drive, and he got rid of it when I was about eleven. I remember watching oh, it drive down the drive, you know. And he, <laughs> we, so, we both still lament that sure, fact totally, that he's totally. gotten rid of it. Both so, of us. Oh. But but that car had a very specific smell, and I had almost forgotten that reality until we started doing what we do for a living. And I was at a car auction, and I got in a Jaguar and just kind of went comatose. And Paul <laughs> right? was like, "What is up?" And I was like, <laughs> "That car has the smell." I didn't even know. I had mm-hmm. I had forgotten that it had had kind of. Bored its way into my brain. Yeah. And so anytime, and I've driven a few E types since then, which I've. Of course, have a major connection to now. It's very way. dangerous. <laughs> now I can rent it on DriveShare. Anyway, but, see, but if you get one, then you can rent it out. I on guess DriveShare, so. And I then, guess so. There's a yeah. That, know, my, my wife is going to not like that. I had this conversation grows. this morning. She but, can rent out her future Jeep Wrangler that she wants. <laughs> there you go. But but anytime I get an E Type that has a specific smell, like you're talking about, Peter. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering what what created that for you? When I was growing up, you know my 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 dad wasn't into cars. I mean, we had an old car, but we had an old car because it was an old car, right? We had a, a 1970 Pontiac Le Mans. You know, I remember, you know, playing around with it, toying around with it. And then once the car was pretty much undrivable and it sat in the parking lot or in the driveway, you know, I would wrench around with it and try to get it running and do this and do that on it. So my passion for cars isn't actually something that was handed down to me. It's just something I developed, you know, when I spent a lot of time in Poland when I was younger and every single car was the same exact car and there was no Mm. difference or there was no, right. The fastest your car is going to go is 50 miles an hour with the tailwind going down (laughs) a steep embankment. Totally. (laughs) I'm still standing by this 126 P it's like a car in the end of your keychain. It's so small. (laughs) Yeah. 
insane. It's 24 horsepower. Imagine 24 horsepower and a family of four with luggage. Unbelievable. Do you just get a running so, start? Does it, everybody it do the bobsled thing and hop in? And then we're off, kids. At that point, the category is, I mean, honestly, the, the tagline of the ad was probably beats walking. I mean, that's really probably. about as far as it goes. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. That's like depending on the hills. Yeah. Who, how, of, I don't know. Exactly. Walker, maybe not. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I found it. It's the fire quacker. The fire truck painted in Oregon oh Ducks gosh. livery. It's yellow, 1967 Crown Fire Coach, fully operational fire truck it. pumper rig. No way. There's so, something to rent for a birthday. No kidding. That's so so cool. what, what do people need to do to rent? Is it an app? Is it on, online only? What's the procedure? And how do you get signed up even as a driver? So it's it's easy. You actually go right on to – you can download the app. We have an app for both iOS and Android. Uh, or you can go onto the website, driveshare.com. Uh, you can create an account, and once you create an account, you can quickly go through the listing process and list your car and kind of go through all the information, upload photos. We make it really simple. And if you're interested in renting a car, what you end up doing is just do a search by either location, make, model, either make the booking request. You can contact the owner to maybe ask them some questions. Once you make the booking request before the booking is finalized, that's when we run the the background check on the driver, making cool. sure that they're a valid driver. So we do all of that. You know, we have a discount code for $50 off uh, somebody's first rental. So if they want to type in card debate 50, uh, that gets them 50 bucks off their first rental. So that's a nice thing. Fantastic. And um, thank you for that. Yes, listeners, that is card yeah. debate 50, 50 bucks off. Honestly, guys, Peter, thank this you. is new news to us this as well. New. We found yeah. out in the past week that this debate was uh, the card debate 50 thing is happening. $50 off your first rental. Very we're quite cool. excited about it. That's for you guys. And then we're doing a couple other things. I mean, you asked the question, like, who's going to rent their car out? It's uh, we're actually going to be launching a program with Porsche Club of America. So, for example, if you're a Porsche Club of America member, and you've got a 911 or you have a 928 or whatever it may be, and you're not necessarily interested in renting it out, but maybe you're interested in renting it out to another Porsche owner, Mm, right? So what we're allowing you to do is, hey, if you're a PCA member, you can choose to rent your car out to just other PCA members, Mm, right? mm. So it it adds that additional level of trust. Sure, sure, sure. You're filtering to some degree by people that you think will be right for the car. I think that's great. That's exactly. Peter, are you looking at doing that very thing with other car clubs in the future as well around the country? We are. Okay. We are. Okay. Yeah. That's very because that's because then that way way what ends up happening is there's kind of familiarity with the car, right? Mm -hmm. So for Mm -hmm. example, yeah. I have my MG. If I try, I would love to have an MGA and bomb through, you know, the hills of LA, right? Mm-hmm. That would be awesome. Sure. Great little car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Maybe somebody's not open to renting out their MG, but maybe they would to another MG owner. Sure. Right? So, sure. You're again, familiar. it's creating yeah. these micro clusters okay. of, you know, within sharing. That's awesome. So, while we're there, I have to jump to this. Talk about the Dream Drive contest. You have this Shelby Daytona Coupe. What what's going on with that? And is this like the first of many? I hope it's the first of many. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's kind of our goal. We all do. So, <laughs> so we're actually uh, launching a really cool promotion, which is you can actually go online to driveshare.com forward slash Dream Drive. You enter what your Dream Drive destination is. Right? Is it driving through? You know. New ha- the mountains of New Hampshire is it driving through Route 66, whatever it may be. Is this North Tell America us what your specific dream drive is. right now? You can enter your dream drive wherever you want in in the world. Okay, right. okay. So uh, the Amalfi Coast, we can enter that. You know, if we want to. <laughs> sure. Paul, Paul's typing as we speak. Keep just, going. Yeah. Just asking. <laughs> but at the end of the promotion, uh, what we'll do is we will choose one uh, lucky winner, and what we will do is give you our dream drive. And our dream drive is this Daytona Coupe, uh, which we just had custom built for us. And it is an all-inclusive trip from San Francisco down to L.A. Uh, So you're going to start off at San Francisco, down Route 1, down by the ocean, and then you're going to end up at the Peterson Museum. um, And it's all expenses paid. So you'll get to cross Bixby Bridge, which is one of our favorite Pacific Coast Highway sections right through there. We've shot through there and just... It's astounding. You get the right weather yeah. and the yeah. smells, you know, the ocean air. It's just like mm-hmm. so. Oh. When will when do you think that actual uh, contest is going to? And when's that drive supposed to happen for people? Whoever wins, the drive was scheduled to happen actually uh, in twenty twenty one. 
Okay. Uh, unfortunately, due to you know current situation and circumstances with everything, we've extended the promotion through next year. So oh, we wow, will be great. choosing a winner at the end of next year. Okay. Uh, cool. And then the drive will take place in 2022. Love it. So unfortunately, it is a little bit of a wait. Yeah. Uh, but we are uh, we just have to deal with uh, you know the situation that we currently live in. Sure. That's. Very cool. We hope that is the first of many. We keep, I keep saying it. I'm going to say it again. We keep hoping there's a uh, drive slash shoot opportunity for us with that car. <clears throat> anyway, before that goes away, but, but it, it's very subtle. Cool we can make that happen. That was subtle. I love it. <laughs> well, I, you know what? I think Todd and I love most about Haggerty is the statement McKeel made when we had him on the podcast. And he said, I'm not saving commuting. Mm-hmm. We're saving mm-hmm. driving over yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. Which is just aligns with what our audience loves and what we love. And so we definitely see drive share as one of the steps in doing that because, you know, now we're sharing cars with each other, which is exactly what we talk about all the time. We want people to get experiences. What else, Peter, do you see forthcoming from Haggerty or just, you know, in the future of the industry in general as part of that? The whole safe driving is, is an interesting concept, right? My personal feeling is that as we, this autonomous movement in vehicles continues that we're going to see kind of this growth in the collector car market and this more, this greater appreciation for this feeling of disconnecting and driving and enjoying, right? Mm -hmm. Look at, look at the collector car market and look at the growth of Broncos and (laughs) uh, vintage SUVs. Sure. Right. It's, It's the ability to, Put your whole family in the car, the ability to go for a drive, get disconnected, spend some family time. And I think especially now being able to get out, right, getting experiences, I think experiences are going to get more and more valuable uh, and more and more important in somebody's life. And I think a great way to do that is getting behind the wheel of, and, and I don't want to say vintage. I want to say enthusiast vehicle. I want That's to say great. That's great. something that kind of connects you, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe an enthusiast vehicle to you is 1997 Chevy Cavalier Z24. Sure. Yeah. So that's up to yeah. the eye of the beholder. You know, yeah, whatever yeah, totally. excites you to right. get behind the wheel, that's completely up to you. Mm-hmm. But I think we're going to see a continued trend of the a greater appreciation of these vehicles. And I think it's going to be a very strong market. And if somebody can bottle that smell that we're talking about and seriously. sell it, then they'll... Seriously. You know, what Done. car do you want to order? I'd like the E30 <laughs> M3, please. Yeah, for sure. The oil and gas out of that thing. Well, but what's interesting, though, is we, we are obviously... Paul and I are in a... In a enviable position. A lot of people tell us that because we get to drive so many cars, which is wonderful. And our audience mm-hmm. writes to us rightfully so and says often, hey, I've always wanted to drive one of these. Where do I get the chance to do it? Right. So right. I love that DriveShare is creating that opportunity from enthusiasts renting out enthusiast cars. I mean, like you said, you can go get a minivan, fine, whatever. But this is much more interesting. I am so fascinated right now about renting out my Lotus. I am thinking of really? it like crazy. No yes, yes. It, it, it's what do you kind of, have? I have a Lotus Elise that I kind of oh, want to keep forever, but I also kind of want to get something else. But here might be the excuse, so that that would be very fun. <laughs> See, Todd's Lotus guy, and I'm Porsche guy, but you know, we we do love everything. We mm-hmm. we keep an open mind, so whatever we're driving, we we have our own proclivities, but we do you know want to we love everything. You know, we love Corvettes, we love BMWs, we love. You know, name something. We yeah. love Fiat yeah, yeah. 126Ps. Hey, well, I was just going to say, you, <laughs> Come on. you now have a new appreciation for that car. <laughs> for sure. For sure. I want to remind the audience again, look, not only can you try this, but that Car Debate 50 is a $50 discount off your first rental, which is really cool. That's huge. I almost see people planning maybe a little mini vacation because people will say, yep. well, you know, I have none of these cars near me. Okay, mm-hmm. maybe you plan a little vacation in, you know, a bigger city where some of these cars might be available, and you can try one or two during your vacation. You know, do some touristy sure. stuff in yeah, that yeah, city, yeah. and then you know, get to drive something we, cool too. We have had people rent a car and actually buy the car uh, that they rented right after the rental is done. You're so oh we gosh. have actually had somebody. <laughs> we have had several people actually be like, "Oh my god, I love this car. I want to buy it." Huh. Um, and then another great one is, and this was actually somebody that I know who rents out on the platform. Uh, they rented out their TR6. And somebody oh. rented out their TR6 because they want to buy one. They've always wanted to buy one. Okay. They didn't have the financial means at the time to go out and buy one, but they rented it for a weekend. Got it. As soon as the rental was done, they're like, great car. Absolutely love the car. I no longer want to buy one. Yeah. Okay. Because sure. what ended up happening is 
they ended up having to put the top up one day because it was a little bit of a chilly day okay. and they just didn't fit in the car quite right. Sure. And they never would have realized that if they maybe went to go buy one, they probably wouldn't have taken a test drive with the top up. Yeah. They probably would have just experienced it with the top down. But once he had to experience it with the top up, he's like, uh, not the right car for me. Sure. I'm going to keep on shopping. I'm going to find something different that fits me a little bit better. In that case, we saved somebody from making the wrong car decision. Oh, this is cool. I just found a 76 Ford Gran Torino, the red and white, like Starsky and Hutch. Somebody has one on here. I'm going to go Starsky and Hutch today. No be great. way. You and I need to redo the Star- Starsky and Hutch poster with Hatchie and Handley. It'll be Totally, be but that's just it. Yeah. Variety yeah. on here is astounding. I'm just, yeah. honestly, Peter, as you're talking, I'm scrolling through and, you know, of course, bring a trailer. It's sort of like, hey, a 1979 GMC with... 500 miles on it that nobody cared about then is now like pristine with a manual and we're all like you know frothy about it yeah but you can't yeah. necessarily run out and drive those i love that you no, can actually drive you these can here. And, here. and I, I do think i mean you're exactly speaking peter to what we mean about, about driving homework because we give lists of cars to people to go to go possibly Indeed. purchase Indeed. but mm-hmm. i mean even paul and i we're both six three we fit in cars differently even though we're the same yeah. height yeah so you've got to do those things to just realize what is the car that connects with you or what is the one you thought you would connect with and you get it and you're just like you know what no and that's you've got to drive it to know Okay, buddy, you're toast. 65 Jaguar E-Type, hardtop, in Ooh. red. Ooh. You're toast. Where's that one? Uh, Bushnell, Florida. Uh, see, that's not close. Vacation. Otherwise. Vacation. <laughs> vacation. <laughs> uh, that, that, that yells vacation. That is funny. <laughs> oh, man. Peter, thank you so much for sharing this. Thanks we're, for having me on, you guys. We're astounded by DriveShare and the growth of it. And, uh, yeah, just appreciate what you guys are doing and love sharing it with the audience. That's Car Debate 50, everyone. And that is, again, as Todd said, brand new to us. So that that's the uh, the impetus, the, the driver. Extra, you, right? you wanted to do it already, and now you can do it even more. It's very cool. Indeed. Peter, thank you so much. Really appreciate no it. No worries. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Right. Bye-bye. Cheers. Well, that was pretty cool. I, I mean, I love that we're getting to talk to experts in every area mm-hmm. that Haggerty has. And, and yes. you know, diving deep into that was really enlightening. Well, and what's interesting cool. with Peter is that he actually started DriveShare, as he mentioned, to justify his own car collection. Yeah. And it and yeah. he became part of the Haggerty family. And now That's he's so been cool. able to, to expand in a ways he never imagined. But what I love and what has gotten under my skin genuinely during that call is mm. the fact that now I'm going – I could justify a car collection by just renting them all out. As could mm. all of you listening. This is the whole point. You've heard Peter do it. That's that how was, we started that it. That was horrifying and awesome all at once. DriveShare is the coolest online car sharing platform you've ever heard of. It's simple. By connecting car owners with renters, DriveShare unlocks the joy of driving in some very special cars. That way, renters can find cars that bring out their driving joy in every moment, while owners earn extra cash to fund their passion. To sign up, cruise over to driveshare.com or download their app for iOS and Android. That's driveshare.com. You've heard us talk about drive homework, because it's vital to drive a lot of things when trying to find your next car. Knowing your options is important. This applies to online shopping, too. You don't want to search just one website unless that site is searching all of the other ones for you. That's why we love Auto Tempest. I know you've heard us talk about it before, and we hope you've already seen how far you can shop with just one search. Auto Tempest pulls from all the top used car sites at once, so you know you won't miss a deal on that perfect car. Autotempest.com. All the cars. One search. Jumping into social media questions, first of all, something caught my eye here from Gabriel B. on Facebook, who asked us if we were doing this podcast in the 80s. Mm. We could actually turn that into a Topic Tuesday. The podcast as applied to every decade cars have been around. Dude. Way back in the 20s. No. Have you seen that new Stutz Bearcat? Man, they're used now. And now Todd and I were just talking about actually used McLarens. 12Cs have plummeted good, in price, good, have they good not? Good news, everybody. You can get a McLaren 12C for roughly 100, 100 grand. That's a, that's a value for that car as long as the electrical gremlins don't uh, crop up. But yeah. So Gabriel is asking, what would we recommend in the 80s mm. instead of the WRX, the BRZ, the Fiesta ST, the Corvettes, the Caymans, the Lotus, all that stuff? All mm. the greatest hits, the sure. usual suspect sure. family of cars for everyday driver. Well, the Mitsubishi Sterion comes to mind. Well, that's interesting. I see that. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. definitely Toyota Supras from the 80s mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Mazda RX-7s would be cool. Well, think about the three series of that era. Yeah, that's a really excellent. good one. Yeah, excellent. yeah, yeah. And if you get late enough in the 80s, the Miata comes out. But even if mid-80s, I mean, you've got good 911s. 
and good BMWs. Yeah, you do. They're all existing out well, there. Well, we yeah. would also be talking about the decade prior because all those cars would be used. So all the <laughs> right. 70s cars. You're right. We're talking about the 70s Firebirds Let's are now see. blank cheap. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Be Burt Reynolds. Get a 70s oh, Firebird. Yeah. And, you know, the 1980 Trans Am. Oh, everybody has to yes, have that. Yes, we got to have a kit car. Oh, man. De- yeah. DeLoreans would have been currently on sale or at least just finished being on sale. That would have been the aspirational sports car. That would have been the ridiculous oddball that you have power. to buy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, but the Conquest, the Sterion, when Mitsubishi used to build cool things way back then. <laughs> get yourself a used Lotus Elan. Be, embrace, <laughs> you your inter, embrace your inner graduate and get a uh, an Alpha Spider. I mean, we can oh, go on yeah. and on. Yeah, yeah there you go. that'd yeah. be good. Maybe we should. Because then in the 70s, we'd talk about the 60s cars. I'm a little and terrified. And the Camaros and the Corvettes and the Trans Ams and the... Cudas and what else? <laughs> All the ten-year-old stuff. Then, yeah, yeah, we wouldn't be talking about safety measures. It wouldn't matter that those cars didn't have airbags. Because the current ones wouldn't have airbags. It'd all be good. Yeah, safety third. Joshua Anthony has a a, a wine pairing question. Except that it's not actually a wine pairing. Wait, you're question. tackling a wine pairing I, I, question. See, What's only going because on? it really isn't. Who are you? He's exactly. He's asking for car pairings. In the tradition of wine pairings, like you pair oh. a wine with a meal, <laughs> he's going just cars. So, so being the wine pairing expert that you are, you're tackling I this have question. no idea how to pair wines, but I'm going to try to pair cars. This is how this works. So he's thrown out three much-talked-about cars from this podcast and said, pair, pair something with these. Okay. Either okay. the right companion or the right counterpoint. Okay. That's how he's All put right. it out there. So I've right. tried to tackle this. Again, this is not my area, but I'm going to try like. to tackle this. The three he listed are the Chevy SS the Fiesta ST, and the Maserati Quattroporte. So if those are the baselines, what do you pair those with to give the driver either the opposite experience or the balancing experience with that? He's kind of where he's going. Okay. Here's where I'm going. Not saying this is right because, again, I don't really know what I'm doing, but here we go. (laughs) Chevy SS. I'm just fascinated. I can't wait to hear this. (laughs) Chevy SS needs to be balanced with a Caterham. Both rear-wheel drive, American versus British, big four-door bruiser versus little tiny fully analog thing with no doors or, or windows or even sometimes Good. a Good. steering wheel that detaches itself. So you can get in, yeah. Right. So, so Chevy SS and a Caterham. Okay. So if it's Fiesta ST, little, Ford, economic, very fun to drive, front-wheel drive, four-door hatch eco box. Okay. Aston Martin Vantage, rear-wheel drive, British with Ford connections. Okay. Luxurious GT car two-door. Okay, all right. And my last one, the Maserati Quattroporte. I split this to two different directions. Do you want to go sportier, or do you consider the Maserati Quattroporte sporty already in this equation? So Mm. the Maserati Quattroporte in the sporty version gets balanced with the Alpha 4C. You have your sporty Italian four-door with Italian quirks, and you need your sporty two-door Italian with quirks. Okay. So the 4C. Or if you want to go the opposite direction, you have your sporty Quattroporte – and you balance it with the Hellcat Jeep Cherokee. They're both FCA, but now you've gone crazy powerful, can tow your boat at light speed, off-roader, and your Quattroporte. This is my sporting car that I go to Lake Como in. For wow. And I'm out. Wow. That is going to lay right there. Fantastic. <laughs> well done. Because the whole time you're talking, I was thinking about actually drinks, you know, like the SS would be some sort of bitter IPA. Uh, As only you could do. I am not not your guy for that. Or Zima Light or something like that. See, I I understand. I'm not your guy for that. I'm just trying to balance (laughs) the world in the vein of the idea. Joshua, I hope I did that some level of justice. Well done. All right, Alex, HCO9 has a track daily crush for us. This is the GM mid-engine concept car edition. Oh, wow. And you're all going to have to go look these cars up because they do harken back to the era where designers just thought fighter jet canopies would make for the (laughs) coolest concept car ever. Yes, they would. So first of all, the 1986 CERV-3, that is an acronym for Chevrolet Experimental Research Vehicle. So the CERV, however you want to pronounce that, CERV. It's the third generation, mm-hmm. and then it actually sort of spawned the Corvette Indy after that car. But this was fighter jet canopy kind of thing. Very, I believe it was yeah. 650 horsepower. Second car is the 1985 Buick Wildcat, which was also very sensuous. It was a fighter jet canopy just plopped on. By the way, the, the fighter jet canopy, <laughs> it's like an oven door 
it's like a magnifying glass. Yeah. Looks yeah, yeah. cool, but yeah. then you actually sit in there and you need the world's best air conditioning system and hats and sunshades and sunscreen because you're going to get fried. One of the best executions of that actually is the original Gen NSX. It is. did it really, really well. And they talked indeed. very publicly about how that can, that cockpit was modeled after the F-16, which you've ever seen. It is essentially just a bubble of glass. I mean, and they did a really good job. The pilots are wearing helmets, so they're actually, you know, and they've got sunshades and sunglasses. And <laughs> yes, and, and their suits have got uh, heating and cooling piped in. There's a lot going on there, yeah. <laughs> that stuff is optional with all these concept cars. All right, third car is the 2002 Cadillac CN, Spanish for 100, so... This was an interesting car. Also, mm-hmm. very powerful. It had a V12 engine in that, and it was stealth fighter. It was just slab-sided stealth fighter looking. It was the peak Cadillac mm-hmm. arc and line design theme from And that featured in the Michael Bay film, The Island. Really? Actually was driving around in that film. No kidding. I don't yeah. know that I've seen yeah, that yeah. movie. It's interesting. It's okay. It, it's, it's a really cool premise with an okay script. Met with Michael Bay direction, but starring Ewan McGregor and Scarlett Johansson. So it's got a, it's oh. like a total like mixed bag. I like, yeah, huh? Yeah, missed that one. Okay, so the CERV. So going back through GM's archives, as we've had Corvettes on our minds recently after driving the new C8, I've had mid-engine Corvettes, and I've counted, I believe, up to this point, at least fourteen mid-engine Corvette prototypes oh. before we even got to the C8. So a mid-engine Corvette is not unknown to GM. This is not new. It's just new to everybody else. Not well, even to us car enthusiasts. It's, it's just, just new to reality. World. It's new to actually existing. To you can production. go buy one. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So I do like this car. It. I like the execution of the Buick Wildcat a little bit better, even though it's mm. the least amount of power. Because sure. if we're going to do a fighter sure. jet canopy... Let's do the Buick Wildcat thing. It is just totally cliched. It's so funny. It's just, yeah, jet fighter on wheels kind of thing. Yeah. It's like... Very bubbly. Let's let's have that, even though it was only 360 horsepower. Okay. I think my phone has 360 horsepower, but still, you, you know what I mean? one, probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would crush the CERV, even though I love the mid-engine Corvette. There are better, I think, mid-engine Corvette mm. prototypes okay. to All be right. loved. So I am... Driving the Buick Wildcat okay. on a daily basis because right. what the heck is that spaceship driving around? <laughs> sure, maybe I will wear a helmet just to stay cool. And and the whole and the whole bubble canopy does like pop forward to get you yeah, in. It doesn't have so doors. Cool. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I am tracking the Cadillac CN because it's got the V twelve and because it looks awesome on track and it's going to yeah. be fast and all that kind of stuff. So all right. That's, uh, that's where that I'm standing alone. up there. Bravo. Well done. Car Guy 11 asked me, how similar is the 86 to the Elise? He's driven an 86 and loves it, but he's never driven an Elise. First off, they're on the similar end of the spectrum of mm. cars, okay? Mm. The 86 is significantly bigger. I mean, it's got back seats and a trunk, for God's sakes. I mean, that's, that's pretty much the start. But <laughs> keep in mind that the 86 is less than 3,000 pounds. It's about 2,700 pounds. So it is on the lighter spectrum of cars. Uh, the rotation is different because you're talking about a mid-engine car, almost front mid-engine, and the the engine's very low in the 86 versus a actual mid-engine car. Right. In fact, I was talking to my dad when he was driving the Elise. Only 40% of the weight of the Elise is on the front. No kidding. That adds a very different feel to your driving. And the Elise has fully analog steering. So I would say – Look, I loved my FRS when I had it, and I still like it. Obviously, many of you wish I would quit talking about the 86 chassis on this very podcast because I've talked about it a lot. It is excellent, and it's in the same direction of cars, but the Elise is is further and more. Mm. Ricardo Bobby asks me if I have a cameo in the museum scene in Demolition Man. Wasn't that another bad Sylvester Stallone movie before he figured out the greatest trilogy ever, The Expendables? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm what kidding. can we do with all the out-of-work actors that used to do Seriously, action films? it's sort of like, you know what we should do? Call all your friends and we write should, a script around we it. We should put a bit of film together. That would solve the problem. Everybody works. It's just endless explosions. I mean, there's a few fun scenes in there, but for the most part... The, yeah, I should do the best Sylvester Stallone movies. I think I can count them on one finger. You, here's the thing, I, and I would listen. We've talked about doing random podcasts in the feed that are like extra podcasts about random things. I would like you to do an hour on just Stallone films. I don't even care if you know how to critique films. Just an hour of Paul Talks Stallone. Stallone I, I films. think it would be a fantastic oh, rant fest of you talking through. And, and, and here's the best part. I can't think of a good one. In order to prepare, you would need to watch a bunch of them. Oh, no. Oh. And I would love 
I would love the idea of you doing a bunch of Stallone films for a one-hour podcast. Yeah, I, I, I kind I of to want to be done them? right there. Of course you would. Ugh. You'd have to watch and be able to talk about what worked and what didn't. And then and to spawn you into rants, let's be honest. That's really why. It'll just be an hour of Rambo, I guess, because that's probably the best stuff he's ever done, right? Uh, is there anything better than that? Let's see. I mean, it's would, like a low bar. People would argue the Rocky films. I mean, the, the original okay, Rocky movie. Okay, maybe the Rocky films. The ori- here's the that. thing. The original Rocky movie was written in like a week, okay? And it kind of seems like it in some ways. But it was written by a week by a struggling actor. So the, the script and it getting made is very similar to the actual story of the film itself. And it got a lot of press for that. And it put him on the map. Okay? So love it or hate it, that is a movie that, that resonated and created a career for the guy. Then you have Rambo and a lot of other things. Sure, so probably Rocky series is better than yeah. I'll but, give you that. You know, and then of course you've got Rocky Four. You know, the True. Ivan Drago film. I mean, you that know, was my favorite when they had the puncho meter thing with it, it measured how hard you could hit. Yeah, that was four, wasn't it? Was that I think four it was. or three? Three or four. Anyway, the Russia one. Yeah. Anyway, now we've got the Creed <laughs> films, which actually you wouldn't have to to critique those, but he's in those too. He is. He's got a lot of stuff. Here's one. You probably never saw it called Oscar. It was a spoof comedy thing that he did where he played a mobster and there's none of the tip- typical Stallone cliches in it. You're right. I didn't see that. Okay. I, I, <laughs> seriously, how many of you listening like me would raise your hand for Paul doing an extra podcast that's just a Stallone reference? I, I think it'd be amazing. Okay. All I know is that the man wears Panerai watches. He is in love with the brand from Florence, Italy. He loves okay. Panerai. I like Panerai as well. So there's the tie-in right there. <laughs> In every movie, he's wearing a Panerai, the latest Panerai, whatever that is. Watches whiskey and Stallone. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. You're welcome, everyone. You're welcome. Please make that happen. <laughs> uh, oh, my gosh. Okay. <sighs> Bradley J. 1983 on Instagram asks an interesting question that relates to something that I, I mean, you can clearly tell I looked it up as a result. He's curious about a TV episode or a fast blast where we cover really expensive sports cars that have hit rock bottom. And he brings up the McLaren MP412C, now only 100 grand, the 996-911 Turbo that are like 50 or 60. I mean, they're cheap. Mercedes AMG GTS. Yes. Well, yes. 65, 60 grand, somewhere in now, there. One of you found was like a... a was salvage title, but still, yeah. But if that's salvage the bottom title, of the market, salvage title, whatever. It's <laughs> if you're sixty buying, grand. You're buying a sixty thousand dollars GTS. Take your point. But <laughs> unless it was upside down or the bottom of a pool, I don't care. Bradley, the the concern here is this. Oh, look, I'll be really candid with you about this. If we were to do it, the prices on those are still, in most cases, above the price point we generally cover on the TV show. If you think about it. Because hundred grand is kind of above generally it's the price point of the TV show. Not it's really, the some exceptions, show. but so yeah. there's that. Yeah. If we do it on YouTube, which is actually what it feels really good for, as far as those kind of comparisons, I hate to say it this way, but here's the truth: when we do big productions on YouTube, they don't bring big numbers. Mm-hmm. They bring okay numbers, mm-hmm. but and and look, we're very thankful for our three hundred thousand plus subscribers and everybody that watches. We're very thankful for it, but if. Lots of other people were to do that piece. It would get three or four or five or ten times more views than if we make the effort. Mm-hmm. And in many cases, we make more effort. So uh, that's the real struggle is we have to kind of weigh that all the time because it's only limited hours in the day to produce content and edit it. So we have to try to figure out where does it play. I would love to do that. It almost feels like a feature film of do a bunch of old exotics. But we'd have to have a benchmark in there, though. Now, that's an interesting thought. Old yeah. exotics. The, the affordable exotic feature film that's would be very cool. It'd yeah. be like the first generation of the Audi R8. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Manual V8. That was yes. exotic. It still is. In yes. A way. The cars that you still see and think, how much was grand. that? Absolutely. See, you know? that would be cool. Maybe that's we found it, Bradley. Maybe that's it. Hmm. All right. Well, there's another track, Daily Crush, from Mystic Negro that I cannot ignore. <laughs> Good. The Roof Yellowbird. Uh-oh. I had a calendar as a kid that featured one of the first roof yellow birds. All right. It was an exotic car calendar, and that has seared its way into my brain. I I love that car. I love roof. I love – actually, interesting fact, when we went to Gambala mm-hmm, for our mm-hmm. pilgrimage film, there yeah, was yeah. a you know, sort of third quarter visit to Gambala, the factory, yeah, uh, yeah. just outside of Stuttgart. And – Come to find out that Uwe Gimbala and Alois Roof knew each other. Mm-hmm. And they were friends and 
one chose more aerodynamics and one chose more power. And they mm-hmm. kind of pursued that with each of their tuning companies. Yeah, yeah. So there was a relation there. I still have never been to Roof. I'd love to go and I'm just amazed at their products. So yes, the Roof Yellowbird, the Mercedes SL Gullwing, and a Ferrari Daytona Coupe. I'm leaving this to you, man. Go for Grr, it. This is hard. Uh, Daytona. Mm. <laughs> Come See? back next time when Paul has an answer that he still doesn't like. <laughs> the Mercedes has skyrocketed in price. Like yeah. 15, 20 years ago, they were like mm, half a million. Now they're two million. Mm-hmm. And the Daytona Coupe, of course. Oh, I, I've, <laughs> I've sat in one. The Yellowbird's going nowhere. I am. Yeah. I am. What am I doing with that? I am tracking that. I could see you tracking it and trying to meet a tire wall. I could see that, yeah. The Mercedes SL Gullwing is awesome, and it's going to have to be crushed because I want a daily a Daytona Coupe. Yeah, I I actually see where you went. I do see where you went there, yep. God, that's hard. Meyer Jason asks on Instagram. Still dirty. <laughs> That's really what they're going <laughs> just, for when they give us track daily crushes. They want us to go away feeling like we lost in spite of winning. That's yeah. really what's that's that's the goal. That is really exactly. the goal. Meyer Jason on Instagram says, uh, "Are we getting into truck reviews? Why? What's going on?" And, mm. and he said, "People have people been asking." Jason, I'll be really honest with you. What we have said to all of our providers of press cars because of this podcast, where we cover the gamut of everything. I mean, we literally have recommended a Prius on this podcast and recommended full-on race cars and everything in between. I blocked that out of my memory. But it's all happened. So we have actually said to all the press fleets, bring it. Whatever you've got, send it. Mm. And before we were doing this podcast, there really wasn't a place for it. But now that we're doing the podcast and the Fast Blast where we cover everything, we've asked for everything. So as a result, that does mean, hey, we got a pickup in the fleet. And we're like, send it. Yeah. yeah. Now, we will fully admit, we admit it on camera, we're not off-road guys. We've had some fun in Moab. We've bounced around in the mud recently in a Tacoma. We like taking things off-road. We love bounding stuff through the snow, but we're not overlanders. Right, right. We're not hardcore rock crawlers. That's not our background. And we also know, much to the chagrin of those of you that are actual rock crawlers, that most people buy a pickup to not take it off-road. Yeah. Or to take it off-road once this year, and the rest of the year they're just driving it as their commute vehicle and squashing people in leases. Yep. So, uh, yep. sorry, side note. But um, So as a result, we typically will drive a pickup not the way it was intended. We will drive Very it true. in normal ways than in off-road ways. We, ha- we try as to make you exceptions. Said, how but customers will drive them on yes. a normal 80% of the time basis. Yes. So that has led to um, some vitriol, but that's okay because I grew up in Texas and this is the way trucks get used. But we're happy to drive it all so we can talk to you guys about all of it because eventually you're going to have a daily, and some of you may be considering pickup, minivan, electric car, bring it. Jared Rose 1 asks about the best solution to prevent rock chips or cure rock chips already on the front of the vehicle. It's tough with, you know, pretty sprayed gravelly front ends. It's tough, you know, short of getting a repaint, but yeah. To prevent more, you can get clear paint protection film. You can do that, even though it'll leave you know bubbly marks depending on how big your rock chips are. It'll it'll show, and mm-hmm. the installer will tell you, "Look, you're going to have to be okay with this." But it's joint. It's just going to prevent further damage, mm-hmm. honestly. But to be honest, if it's pretty bad, really, it does come down to a repaint. Yeah, That's I've had to do that. Unfortunate. Last one for me, Philippe Rodriguez writes in. He's actually writing to us from Europe. Thanks for writing in. He's curious about this year's pilgrimage trip. We haven't been as clear as we could be except for the people that were supposed to go. We are not going, unfortunately. And that comes down entirely to the ability of Americans to go to Europe right now without a quarantine. Mm -hmm. So we are not going this year. We are talking talking about doing some level of online meetup around the pilgrimage idea, but that is in the the, the very beginning stage. I can't give you any details <laughs> at all. This particular moment right now yeah. is the beginnings of that. Yeah, exactly. Yes. We have kind of looked at each other and kind of gone, we could, and that's really yeah. as far as we've gone with it. So unless we figure all that out soon, hopefully in August when we would have gone, we can do something about it. But either way, I will say this. We have already talked to all of our contacts. Mm-hmm. Side note, many of us have pushed off plans of 2020 into 2021. If all of us do all the stuff we're planning in 2021, it's going to be an epic year. It's going to be but awesome. But we are planning to yeah. do our Iberia trip in the spring and our pilgrimage trip next fall. It just didn't happen this year. We're right. bummed, but right. that's what's planning. All right. A couple quick ones from me. Jeffrey Yu asks about the Lexus IS350. That's the new one that just was released and the Acura TLX Type S. Are we excited with these two and any thoughts? To be honest, Jeffrey, the Lexus has not excited me. It looks like the worst phoned-in acting movie script that has ever been. Because <laughs> wow. Okay. 
nothing got changed on the interior. Mm. Very little got changed on the exterior, and they made it worse. Mm. They took it and made it worse, and I, I'm not appreciating this. I wish they would have done and pushed that car further or just – you know, since the car's already been around 10 years, yeah. actually given us a brand new yeah. Lexus IS. But the TLX Type S, just the TLX, is very exciting mm. for one reason, and that is the wheelbase and where the cabin mm. is. It's very mm. much a rear-wheel drive, long-nose sedan. That's what it looks like, and yeah. that's exciting to me. So, yes, we are interested in that. And then there's one down here from ENG MCK who asks if there's a Japanese sports car that offers a Porsche-like driving experience. I know where you're going. Low-hanging fruit, my friend. It is the brand-new Toyota Supra, the A90, that distinctly and definitively targeted the Porsche Cayman Mm -hmm. by virtue of its wheelbase. They are exactly the same. Mm -hmm. So, yes, that in many ways offers that wheelbase, that feel, even though the engine placement is different, even though the overall architecture and the weight is different, but the balance is similar, and that wheelbase really does feel in a lot of ways like a Cayman. They work to get as close as they can. That is actually episode one of season six, currently available on Amazon. And if you haven't seen it yet and you have Motor Trend Cable Channel, that will be the second Saturday of July. It's rerunning as part of our season seven, which starts July 4th. So there's an opportunity to see it then too. Right. Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. Really appreciate it. We're always looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.